What's going on, ATL peeps? Welcome to episode 53 of Around the League NBA Finals Edition. We break down the matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Two epic franchises, two star-studded teams, and we had a lot of fun recording this one, probably because it's been so long since we last recorded a podcast. Um, I think the last time we recorded, it was the first round of the playoffs. We've just been super busy, but so much has happened in the NBA since then, so we hope you have fun listening to this one because we had a lot of fun recording it. As always, we appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast, and we will do our best to uh, pump out as many podcasts as we can throughout the NBA Finals. Take care. Welcome to episode 53 of Around the League, 2022 Finals Edition, where we're going to break down what should be an epic matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics, two young teams that might be here to contend for years to come. we got a great matchup to unpack, but before we do, it's been a while since we connected. Tuan, what's going on, my man? Hey, man, not too much. Not too much. It's, yeah, it's been a minute. I know we've been slacking a little bit on on recording these, but um, always nice to uh, especially do a finals preview with you. It's been yeah, a long season, a lot going on, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been good. Just trying to enjoy the LA life, just trying to find a bit of a routine for myself. Had to way too many visitors come come and go in the last, I would say, three months. So it's finally just me just trying to get some work done, try to get some workouts in during the week. Um, but other than that, not too much. How, how's everything going with you, bro? Good, man. Between you having visitors, um, you going on trips, myself going on trips, you working, me working. Um, it's been so tough to connect, but fuck, like it's been a, it's been an interesting playoffs. I can't, there's so many housekeeping things that we need to sort of talk about before we get into the finals matchup, because I mean, a lot of shit went down. Um, and I can't wait to hear some of your thoughts on just overall the way things have gone and some, some specific, uh, series. Um, but yeah, I mean, where do we start? I mean, on my end, everything's good. Same old, you and I spent some time chatting before, before we pressed record. Um, so I can't complain, but uh, things are good with you. Yeah, no, everything's good. I honestly, just been watching, <clears throat> watching a lot of basketball. You know, it, it, it was a lot in the first round, first, first two rounds, trying to catch a glimpse of whatever game's on. But uh, since the conference finals and now that we're just kind of narrowing in a game every third day, it's a lot easier on the schedule because it's, yeah, it's tough. I don't have the PVR. I can't, can't like record the games and then watch it within like an hour. I got to go through the commercials, all that stuff. But yeah, man, it's been, it's been a, a lot of basketball, but yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to be able to kind of discuss some of the, the, the things that happened in the, in the last few rounds. And yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that too. I mean, overall, I just want a big picture, ask you what you've thought about the playoffs. I've talked to quite a number of people about this uh just generally and i'm getting mixed reviews on how the playoffs have gone this year but uh what do you think because i have some thoughts so just overall what have you thought about the playoffs have you been enjoying have you been enjoying it um go on yeah oh, sorry overall i would say um basketball like the on-court product hasn't been great just because of how many blowouts there have been and not even like, not even close games. Like some of the games, especially in the Miami, Boston, 
um, series where Boston would go up by 20 points in the first. And really, they're, they're, it was a blowout from the start. Um, and, and I think that, you know, is obviously attributed to just kind of the, the evolution of the, the three-point uh, shot and kind of how many shots are being take, taken from distance. Um, and then I think just overall, it's just teams are tired. Um, a lot of more, a lot more injuries this uh, playoffs than, than I can even uh, remember in any other uh, year. Um, but by, with, with saying that, I, I would also say that it's nice to have some parity in the league. Um, to be honest, I didn't see Boston playing this well um, in the regular season. And honestly, I wouldn't have thought they would, that they would make it this far, especially knowing the, the road that they had to take to get to this point. And even Golden State, uh, you know, sure, they, they, they played well in the beginning of the season, but kind of tapered off um, during the, the, the tail end of the season. So I like that there's definitely parity and that we're seeing, you know, a, a new Eastern Conference team make it to the finals, a team that, you know, has been building for the last four, five, six years. Uh, and it's nice to, yeah, kind of see some old faces in the Golden State Warriors coming back after all the adversity that this team had to kind of go through uh, and seeing them in the final. So um, I don't like how just, you know, non-competitive some of the games have been, but I do like that there's definitely more parity in the league um, just based off of the results of the last three, four rounds of playoffs. Yeah, those are my thoughts exactly. You know, so many blowouts. And it's crazy because the series themselves have been close. You know, we've had a few game sixes. We've had a handful of game sevens. So the series themselves have actually been close, but, you know, you get yourself excited for one of these games and then it's hard to watch it after halftime because the margin's like 30 points. And you probably saw this statistic, but, you know, as of last week, you know, the average margin of victory in the last 17 playoff games was 20 points. So that's, that's saying a lot, you know, but still, you know, we still have these game sevens, we have these game sixes. So, the series themselves have been going the distance, but the games have been blowouts. And I think it's to what your point of the three point shot and just the way that the game is being played. Um, you know, having one or two days between playoff games definitely doesn't help, especially after an 82 game season. So that's something that the league's going to have to potentially revise, maybe by shortening the regular season, which has been talked about so many times. But parity for sure, it's, it's awesome to really be unclear you know who's gonna make it to the finals and here we got boston and golden state you know it could have been anyone dallas looked fantastic phoenix looked like they were going they were just bound for the finals and memphis was sort of like a a sneaky contender but here we are you know golden state and boston so it's great to see and the other thing that's kind of cool to think about is you know next season provided teams get back to health like we're gonna have Denver we're going to have clip the Clippers you know that parody and that uncertainty is only going to get better I think it's the death of the super team yeah I think the league's just gotten a lot better in terms of talent there's just like an overwhelming amount of talent coming into the draft every year you look at last year's draft um, with Cade Jalen Green uh, Evan Mobley uh, Scotty Barnes uh, just even those four guys, those are going to be playing all-stars for the next few years. And um, even the, this upcoming draft with Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, um, 
and to some of those other guys, I, I think, yeah, the league is in good hands in terms of how, you know, well some of even the bottom feeders are going to continue collecting assets, collecting all those young players. And I think they just becoming so more, so much more skillful and just, it's just freak athletes coming to the draft every year. And so I think um, there's definitely more parity um, in that sense. And I think just teams are being smarter in how they, you know, look at analytics, how they look at their scouting department. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 I love it just because, you know, we're not, you know, the Toronto is not a big, big market. And I think if you're just able to continue building uh, from the ground up, drafting the right players, like what you're seeing with Golden State and the Warriors, or sorry, from Boston and Golden State, these are both teams that really just grew and developed, you know, three or four of the best young players and look at, you know, what, what it kind of came to. So um, I, I think that shows that, you know, the, the depth of the super teams is, is, is there. And I think it's just more of like obtaining those young talent and growing them and seeing where, where that takes you. Well, yeah, to the untrained eye, like someone that wouldn't know the draft history of Boston or Golden State, they'd probably look at those rosters and say, look, like, again, it's a super team. But what you don't realize is every single player that makes a difference on either one of those teams is drafted. And yeah, especially this year, especially this yeah, year. Yeah, no, exactly. And even guys like Jordan Poole, um, Jordan Poole, we can get into it later. But, you know, if you really analyze the journey of that player, he was in the G League two years ago. Um, playing for Santa Cruz and lighting it up. And, you know, nothing was nothing was really given to that guy. And here he is, um, you know, headlining the pool party lineup for this team. But I don't want to get into that. I don't want to get into that series just yet. Um, I just want to ask you what your favorite series was this far. Uh, I would have to say the Suns and Mavs. I think just the you know, the competitiveness of that series, just seeing what Luca and kind of those younger guys were able to do. Jalen Brunson, um, they, they were definitely um, the, the lesser talented team. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of saw what you're able to do when you have probably the best player on the floor. Um, and just seeing Luca's evolution, his growth as a player, not only like a, and we know he's, he has just, you know, the, the attitude and just the personality to become such a dominant playoff player, but just seeing him able to do that against CP3, against DeAndre Ayn, against Steve Book, and how they basically humiliated that team um, in the second round was huge, um, just especially for the development of that team. If they're able to get some younger players and just more more better pieces for that for that Mavs team, I think they can definitely have a uh, strong presence in the in the playoffs for the next few years. Uh, but I would say that that series, I, I did like the, the, the series, uh, against, uh, the Bucks and Celtics too, but, you know, I, I think with Middleton out of the picture there, it wasn't as competitive as it, it kind of looked, but I did like the, uh, the, the Mavs and Suns series, probably the best out of all of them. That's what I said as well. You know, Dallas and Phoenix, it kind of sucks for Milwaukee. You know, this is definitely one that got away. All they needed was a healthy Middleton. And I if you if it was Milwaukee, Golden State in the finals with a with a healthy roster for Milwaukee, I'd be thinking repeat in my opinion. But you know, this that's the playoffs injuries happen, and that's why you can't discredit anyone for beating a team that might be might be injured. Um, 
you know, I think the Dallas one is fascinating for a few reasons. First of all, that Chris Tapp's Porzingis trade, I'll never forget the trade deadline reactions. And you and I were like, man, I don't know what both teams just did. You know, I can't see this being very beneficial for Washington. I definitely can't see it being very beneficial for Dallas because Dinwiddie wasn't really doing much in Washington. So who would have known that he was going to be such a difference maker for that team in the playoffs. But the emergence of Jalen Brunson was pretty special. And I know he didn't do too much in the Phoenix series, but you, you know, we might forget now because it's been some time, but you, you got to remember what he did in the first round against Utah. You know, he absolutely lit that team up without Luka Doncic. Jalen Brunson's arguably the reason that they played the Phoenix Suns because you know, they didn't have Luka Doncic and he rose to the occasion for games one, two, and three. And uh, definitely an unsung hero and definitely a performance that's not going to get talked about because they accomplished so much. But um, that's one that you definitely got to give him credit for. Uh, the other thing too is, you know, I feel like Dallas is going to continue to hit this plateau as long as it's a, it's a Luka-centric offense. You know, because when I watch... Dallas play it really does it's gotten a bit better it's definitely gotten a bit better but it still reminds me of James Harden Houston Rockets and that's not going to that's not going to um you know get them past the conference finals um as long as you know the West keeps getting strong so they definitely got to figure out how to get more pieces in Dallas because it kind of looks ugly you know we're talking about Luca's physique and his shape but Regardless of how good of shape he's in, he's going to continue to be beat red in the fourth quarter of every playoff game as long as the offense runs through him. Yeah, he was looking tired at the end of the, the last few games against Golden State. And I think him just shouldering a load for, for that offense. Um, and I, I definitely will eat some crow on, on that trade with Dinwiddie and Bertans for Chris Stapps. I, I Honestly, when you look back at it, it was, uh, you know, just... On paper, it didn't make much sense because how terrible Dinwiddie and Bertans were playing in in Washington. Uh, but you know that that team really just played well because of having that second ball handler. I know even a third ball handler, I would say, with Jalen Brunson uh, being the second secondary ball handler, and then having uh, Dinwiddie come off the bench. I think that was huge. Bertans still, uh, you're still paying him a lot of money for a guy that can't really dribble or attack the basket and he's going to chuck threes. And that's really the only thing that he's good at. And he wasn't even that great um, during the regular season or the playoffs for the, for the Mavs. He's so streaky. So obviously you can, you know, you live and you, you, you live and die by that, but um, just, I, I definitely the recipe for the Mavs will just be to upgrade the secondary or, you know, tertiary ball handlers and just getting better talent you know, getting someone like Dinwiddie, but a little better. Um, or finding a center because, you know, they were playing Dwight Powell at center and he kind of lost, uh, you know, his, his spot in the rotation. Um, who was the other guy? The the German dude. I'm trying to, sorry for, to uh, think of his name, but um, he was playing center and he's not really a center either. So if they're able to get a center, I know there's a crop of pretty good centers coming up. In this year's, you know, free agency or restricted free agency class, I know Ains in the in the mix. I know Gobert's in the mix. Um, Obama's in the mix. If they're able to get a center that can elevate and kind of be a rum runner and defensive stopper for them, 
Uh, I think that's going to be huge for them. So um, it'd be interesting. I think the Mavs are definitely a team to watch out for um, in terms of what, you know, acquisitions they're able to make, what, what talent they're able to surround Luca with. Um, and I think that's what it is. You just got to up, upgrade the talent. You got to pay big money for the players that you think will fit with them and, you know, see what Luca and the surrounding cast can do. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy to think that a team's going to have to make a serious gamble on Jalen Brunson because, you know, he played so well without Lucas, so he kind of showcased his ability to be primary. But he's an undersized guard, so that's always a risk. And then he tapered off in the second round, and people can always say, well, that's because Luca was on the court and he's primary. So it's going to be a it's going to be a very risky, um, very risky contract for whoever chooses to cut the check for for Jalen Brunson, because there was just so much to take in in those two rounds. It was like, is he that guy? Because he showed that he was. But as soon as Luca came on the floor, he wasn't. So it, it's it's going to be hard to it's going to be tough for whichever team chooses to take on that contract. Um, yeah, I think I think the Mavs have to. I kind of feel him. bad for them. That that's a big contract. He's he's probably gonna get paid like Freddie, not like Van Vliet numbers. Four years, like eighty plus mil. I, I get it. He's he played well this year, but I don't know. That's a lot of money for a guy. No, that's I really think whoever unproven. takes on that contract long term, we're gonna be kind of like, oof, that was a tough one. I will give, but him it's the, gonna the, happen. Yeah, no, he's he's getting paid regardless. I know he's he's getting paid a lot of money for sure. Um, and again, that could that could be a detrimental to the Mavs because he had a good stretch for the you know for for the season, and you know he was on and off in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, he's a good fit with Luca. I just don't know if he's like the right fit in terms of if you really want to have aspirations to be a championship team that Jalen Brunson is going to be on the floor with you as your you know running mate in the backcourt. Yeah, and I mean, the last thing, we're spending a lot of time on Dallas right now, but the last thing I want to highlight is Jason Kidd. And, you know, just, I, I'm very impressed with, with his ability to coach. He's, he's gone through a lot, you know, from Brooklyn to Milwaukee. Um, he, is, he was assistant coach for the Lakers, and now he's here. So he's definitely been on a coaching journey. Definitely wasn't, you know, entitled to this position. And he seems to be... Uh, surprisingly defensive minded. I guess he was always a good defender as a player, but yeah, I mean, he had, he had a great run as a coach. Yeah. No, but like what you said there, I think just timing wise, he had an older Brooklyn team with KG Paul Pierce, you know, that team there. And then the Bucks team is a young team. You know, he, he really developed Giannis into kind of the player that he, he turned into just kind of give him the ball, let him roam on the perimeter, let him run fast break. Um, so he's really good at developing players. So I think that's why he obviously landed the, the Dallas job. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think he's obviously a, a crazy talented all-star hall of famer type player. Um, and he's, he's always been kind of that, um, you know, one of the, the highest IQ smartest players on the floor at all times. So, you know, it, it makes sense that he's been able to transition properly as a player, um, to being a coach. It's going to be, uh, you know, for me, in my opinion, if I'm, if I'm going to assess Luca next year, obviously, you know, everyone talk, everyone beats this drum, but he's got to come back in better shape. He, he absolutely has to come into the next season in better shape. And if he's not a runner up or a finalist 
for MVP. I think it's a bust season for him on a personal level. By now, a guy of his stature, because he absolutely is a generational talent. I think he was the best player. He was showing to be the best player in the NBA during the playoffs. And, um, you know, if he's not, if he's not in that MVP race next year, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He, well, he's, he still made first team all NBA. So it's a top five player with, you know, the, the, with the season that he had, I don't think he played up to, you know, the expectations and kind of grew as much as you would expect, but he's also the, 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 the bar set so high for him, especially after his first two years, I think it's, it's tough unless he wins MVPs, you're not, you're not going to really say he, he improved that much, but you're seeing improvement here and there. So hopefully he can, you know, put it all together next season and have that team, you know, be a top two, three team in the West. On, on the Phoenix side, I mean, there's definitely something to be said a bit about being that team that steamrolls over the league all season and then just whiffs in the playoffs. You know, we can go back a decade and look at the Raptors the amount of times that they fit, finish first in the East, maybe once or twice. Um, the uh, I'm drawing a blank here, Hawks. but the Bucks did it time and time again. The Atlanta Hawks did it yeah. time and time again. The Utah Jazz most recently did mm-hmm. it where, you know, you're, there's no signs of slowing down. And then once you're in the playoffs, you whiff. And, and that's exactly what happened to Phoenix. Everyone, everyone was giving them the benefit of the doubt. They're getting a lot of attention. You know, Devin Booker and Chris Ball were doing a lot of interviews with Malika Andrews and, you know, all the, and, and uh, their head coach was getting a ton of shine and they whiffed. So I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but there's something to be said about, you know, being that, that overall number one team in the NBA and it just doesn't pan out. Yeah. I think it's a little more shocking for the Suns because of how well they played last season. You know, they, they made it to all the way to the finals. Uh, they had, you know, CP3, you know, they had, they had a legit roster this season. You know, it's not like the Raptors where we, we knew that roster was flawed and they always had to, you know, go up against LeBron and they always, you know, lost in some sort of humili- humiliating way. Same with the Hawks, um, that, that team was more like really good five guys, but no one was like the de facto number one outside of like Joe Johnson. Uh, but the Suns, you have one of the best point guards of all time, Devin Booker, a first team all NBA guy. So, you know, statistically, you know, a top five player when you think of it that way. And then DeAndre Ain, who's, you know, who's been playing really well. So I think just talent wise, how they steamrolled the entire NBA this, this whole season. And then, you know, definitely losing the way that they did. The, the NBA is kind of funny because when you think about how they lost, obviously they lost at home in game seven to the Mavs, um, one bad game. And, you know, people are questioning the entire season, the entire structure of the team and how, how they're going to approach next season. But when you think of like the Boston Celtics, they almost lost to the Bucks without Middleton. They almost lost to the Heat without, you know, Hero and, a, you know, a team with maybe two, three guys really, really hurt. And if they had lost um, on that Jimmy Butler three, there's a lot of question like, hey, should we continue to build on this team? Uh, A team with, you know, Mark Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. So the, you know, the the line is so thin. It's so thin there because if they, if Jimmy Butler makes makes that shot and Boston's not in the finals, there's gonna be a lot of questions. But now that they're in the finals, everyone's celebrating them. Everyone's saying, 
oh, look at what they've been able to build. But if, you know, Jimmy Butler makes that shot, the whole perspective and um, just how they're viewed is different. You know, if Suns win that game against the Jazz, they probably beat the Golden State Warriors, um, I would say. And, you know, it could be the Suns in the finals too, but they have one, you know, one of those games and they're just not able to recover. So it's just weird how you can kind of look at at, at one one team and just look at the other team and be like, okay, well, they're probably on the same level, but they just had one bad game or one bad quarter or whatever it is. So it's such a thin line between a championship team and a team that you're going to question, should they blow it up? Should they continue building on this path? You know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a funny way to look at things when, when you put in that, you know, in, in that framework. Right. No, I, I totally, that's a really good point. The only thing I'll say to that though, is just the regular season that Phoenix had in the, in the series that you brought up, you know, the, the Miami Boston series was a two seed versus a one seed. So expectations were there. Um, but Phoenix was playing a six seed or a five seed or whatever it was. And uh, you know, they, they had commanding leads for game one and two and they literally shit the bed games three and four and barely made it you know made it competitive right so they they had a commanding lead the one seed was taking control of you know what they were supposed to take control of and something happened you know there's definitely questions about Chris Paul's quad and there was uh, talks of that being being an issue but you know there was a lot of comparison between Devin Booker and Jason Tatum and they were kind of parallel to each other, East and West. And in my opinion, you know, that comparison is no longer, um, no longer a comparison. That, that discussion should not even be uh, had because they did not have similar playoff runs. Jason Tatum is showing that, you know, he truly is that guy. So, I mean, you made a good point there, but at the same time, I just don't think in terms of seating, um, it was necessary. All right, so some technical difficulties close. there. Yeah, but no, sure. uh, here we are. Sure. No, I, back I, I to uh, back to discussion. So just, before we get you know, into one the bad series, game and it changes um, the whole perspective. What team oh, do you sure. think will come you know, back just, the most different it, next it's series? It's crazy, but yeah, or next um, season, I, Phoenix, I Utah, or Brooklyn. Um, uh, so I mean, we should probably Utah. get into the Boston no, no, State no, series. I'm no getting a little notification on my Zoom right now. That team is blowing up. Remaining you just hearing too much about minutes, thirty seconds. Donovan I don't know why that's going happening. To New York. Can you tell me why that's Obair, happening? Over there, possibly. I don't know. Is that the direction they're going to go? I don't know. They do have Danny Ainge in there, so he could definitely be making a lot of moves, a lot of calls. That's just. But I think Phoenix is still standing pat. For stop CP3's, and record again. Uh, we get into this duration of we his might contract. Need to stop and record again. And I think okay, Brooklyn I'll doesn't go. have much option. They have. So to, why don't we just put a pause and here and then I'll edit. Kyrie sure. and Katie and you know okay. finding pieces around those guys. But I think Utah definitely is the the team that I see with the most movement and probably the the biggest like facelift for that entire franchise. Yeah, I see Utah having the most movement, but I think I think Phoenix and Brooklyn have pieces that are going to be the most impactful and that are going to be like the biggest free agent splash. Um, the DeAndre Aiden contract, he still has not extended. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. If he goes to a different team, that's a massive acquisition for whoever gets him because, you know, he's going to be a big time player uh, for years to come. And I, it's just, it's crazy to me how Phoenix just kind of like, went with bridges and they don't really view him in that lens that I think everyone else views him in. So 
It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Aiton. And if I'm Brooklyn, you know, Kyrie put you through the ringer this year. Absolutely put you through the ringer this year. And I mean, I feel like there's no, I personally feel like there's no chance that he's in a Brooklyn Nets uniform next year. Um, I think that Brooklyn's going to have a crazy free agency. And that might just be like the, that's like my first take. I'm putting on my first take hat right hat on right now, but um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be a really interesting free agency. I think there's going to be a lot of big names moving around. Yeah, we should, uh, on one, like another episode during the offseason, just do like predictions on what's going to happen and just kind of revisit that during like the midway of the next season or 100%. the end of the next season. 100%. I, I got some crazy thoughts. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, okay. Finals. Boston hung on by a thread due to a missed three-point attempt by Jimmy Butler, which looked like it was going in. Um, Jason Tatum leading all existing players in the playoffs and points per game went from good to great. And now they play the golden state warriors who you think have been here before, but man, they are a completely different team than they were in 2018, 2019, 2017, 2016, 2015. They are a completely different iteration of themselves, and it's it's fucking awesome to see, man. Uh, I'm really excited about this series. I don't even know where to start. I think we should just start with Golden State's journey and just seeing them without KD, without Klay Thompson, and they had guys like Jordan Poole kind of doing the Raptors 905 Raptors thing where he was playing games for Santa Cruz and then games for Golden State. They're like Eric Pascal as their like best player in certain games and uh Steph Curry you know was kind of just like a one-man band trying to keep them afloat but couldn't really keep them afloat I mean they they trade D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins they they were in complete disarray but at the same time they've they've curated this this new offense that kind of reminds me of their 2016 self with like Harrison Barnes um, they're back to that real free motion offense. And um, I mean, I wouldn't say they're as well oiled as years before, but they're clearly doing something right because here they are in the finals. Yeah, they're uh, they're playing definitely the best basketball uh, of, of the season for like for, for them at, at the right time. You know, they they had a you know, they had a pretty strong start to the season um, and then they got clay back. And then I know uh, Curry missed. A bunch of games in the middle of the season there so they kind of fell fell down the uh uh the standings of the western conference there but yeah man it's it's been so fun to watch this team kind of come back and play at the level that you know expect you expect from a team that made it to that's made it to four finals in the last six years um having andrew wiggins kind of revitalize his career in this system um and, and you know that that kind of question comes up now like hey was was Wiggins always um you know the type of player that we saw in, in with the Wolves or did he always have potential to become a better player you know than, than than what we saw there so having Wiggins there even Kevin Looney he's always been a part of that core but he's never played this well you know I think he's he's definitely stepped up during this playoff run and just having again like you said Jordan Poole a guy that was a second round pick what three years ago 
And now he is probably one of the best young players in the league under, under 24, 25. Um, and, and, and they're, and they're still young. They still have Kaminga. They have, um, Moses Moody, they have James Wiseman. So not only are they finalists in the NBA finals, but they have a really, really good young core that they can start building with, or even, you know, continue using as trading chips for, for the next few years. But, um, definitely, you know, I love Steph Curry as kind of that selfless player that he, he came off the bench. He came off the bench against the nuggets. Um, because Jordan Poole was playing so well and he, you know, wanted to get um, his feet back or his legs back in that series when he was hurt uh, coming into the playoffs and just having that, you know, that leader, that guy that doesn't really care for his numbers, doesn't care about how many minutes he's playing, how many points he's throwing up up there. I think just um, really just does so much for this team. And I think just having that, you know, obviously the experience of playing in all those finals, um, dating back to 2015, 2016. Um, so, so it's just awesome to see that this team uh, be where they're at. Um, and I agree with you. This is going to be such such an exciting and such a great playoff series to watch, finals to watch. And I think it's going to definitely um, go down the wire. But I, I, re- I echo everything that you're saying, that um, seeing Steph, Clay, Draymond back at this level, you know, they're, they're not as good as... They were in seasons past, that's for sure. I don't think you're ever going to see two-time MVP, like back-to-back MVP level of play from Steph Curry. And, you know, Clay might be past his prime with all, with the two major injuries and, you know, Draymond kind of losing some of that athleticism, but they just know how to play together. And I think that, you know, goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You're not, there is no Splash Brother. Uh, there hasn't been like a Splash Brother game yet. You know, and I think that's that's what people are expecting to see. What you're seeing from the Golden State Warriors is true team basketball. And it all starts with Steph Curry, man. Like, none of the players that we see break out on any given night, like Wiggins and Poole, uh, even Klay Thompson, none of those guys are eating. None of those guys are flourishing without Steph Curry being on the floor. Because even though he's not you know, dropping 30, 40, 50 points on any given night. Um, It's true team basketball, but the only reason why these guys are getting looks is because that guy's on the floor. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's as much as um, it doesn't look the same, it kind of is the same because defend defenses know that they have to work just as hard as they did five years ago to make sure that this guy doesn't get open looks. So that's definitely going to be on on Boston's to-do list. But, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting series because, um, you know, Golden State, what they do really well now is they still run a very complex offense of like read and react. And it's going to be tough for Boston because just when you think you've got them figured out, they always have these like slip screens and backdoor passes and things like that, just sort of late shot clock um, that they seem to pull off. And it's, you know, it's, it's the beauty of golden state basketball, right? It used to kind of be like the Spurs way of playing. And I think that's going to be Boston's biggest, um, biggest challenge because, you know, you think you got Curry's figured out on a certain action and then you think you got clay figured out, but here comes Jordan Poole backdoor, And uh, you know, 
they just have this very free flowing way of playing that I think that Boston might have a hard time figuring out in games one and two, which could be a difference maker for the whole series. Yeah. And, um, you know, adding to that, I think Boston matches up really well against the Warriors just defensively, you know, based on their versatility, based off of their length, their youth and athleticism. I, I definitely think they're just, you know, the, the more um, modern defensive team where they got, you know, Grant Williams, Derek, Derek White, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Those are like, those guys are like, traditionally, they're like tweeners. They're like three and four. But now they can play, you know, two, three, four, five. And then they have Marcus Smart kind of spearheading that, that defense. And I think Marcus Smart's probably the best player you want to put on Steph Curry a guy that's going to, um, you know, not allow him to bring up the ball. Um, he's going to flop. He's going to play like that Lowry Bulldog style where he's going to, you know, try to dr draw these cheap fouls, try to get Steph into, you know, into two quick fouls and kind of change the momentum of a game. So I, I think Boston definitely matches up really well defensively with kind of a slower, less athletic Golden State team. I know, you know, Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Wiggins, are all super athletic, uh, but you know they're not the primary ball handlers. They're not the uh, primary guys for that team. So I think they're definitely gonna have games where you might see Steph, you might see Clay shoot, you know, two for ten from three, or um, just you know miss a lot of gimmies because they have the not only perimeter defense um, with guys that I that I mentioned, but even having guys like Robert Williams. In the paint, and I think that's a big, big factor in the series is the health of Robert Williams, and if they're able to uh, continue to, you know, give him minutes in there. I know he he looked hurt in the game seven against the Heat. Not only hurt, but he looked a little like lost. I know he's still he's still really young, but having Al Horford, um, Robert Williams in the paint is going to be huge. It's going to definitely uh, affect the the driving lanes and kind of how Golden State plans to attack the rim, especially not having that, you know, slasher, I would say. Jordan Poole is probably their best, like Jordan Poole, Wiggins, and Kaminga are probably the three best slashers and guys that can get, get to the basket. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, these are the number one and number two teams defensively in the league um, this season. You know, surprisingly, I, I bet if, if you ask anyone, who, who do you think was the number one defensive team in the league? I don't think a lot of people would have said the Golden State Warriors, right? Especially with, you know, the, the aging team, um, guys that are injured in and out. Um, and then we have Boston, number two team in the league and probably the best team in the league since the new year. So um, great matchup wise in terms of like defense. And I think um, you got guys like Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and go for 30 points on any given night. So, you know, it could be a grinded out, you know, old school 90s basketball playoff game, or it could really just any of these guys get hot and you, you got two stars, two, three stars on each team that are able to drop 30 points in the night. So, um, you know, I, I think it depends on how the the refs call some of these games too. If they want to allow the physicality that, you know, Boston's probably looking to, you know, try to really steer the Golden State offense into, or if they're, if they're, if they're going to allow you know, or if they're not going to allow any of that, then, you know, that might uh, benefit the Golden State Warriors. But I think that's a big factor in how 
how how the calls are called early and just some of the defensive schemes that both teams will will be looking to to use against against one another yeah boston against miami looked like shit at times offensively you know they they coughed up the ball so many times it's the reason why miami was able to come back in game seven um golden state looked like shit against memphis where it was just like sloppy turn the ball over steph curry is capable of doing that from time to time he's essentially a perfect basketball player but there are times where he gets really careless and sloppy with the basketball and uh both teams because they're so good defensively are going to make each other turn over the basketball and i think it's going to be sort of a achilles heel for both teams you know who whoever can't take care of the basketball um may have a hard time in this series offensively it's funny because in years past we've seen you know Steph go off and he was a one-man band but when they had Kevin Durant he was able to sort of like shoot over guys and really just hit daggers where this is going to be a very spread score sheet for Golden State like I I think that Steph and Clay have matured to a point where they're not going to have that urge to dominate a basketball game they're going to just really trust that offense whereas Boston you know they go through Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum so off, I think defensively, both teams are going to play a very similar game, but offensively, they're going to have two completely different schemes. And I mean, I'm more of a strength and numbers guy. I think that uh, I think that it's going to prevail for Golden State. But, you know, even rotationally for Golden State, like if, you know, if if Steph and Clay are guarding, you know, Tatum and Brown or whoever, and, um, you know, they Boston gets into the paint and you know, they try to get Al Horford a look. Golden State rotates so well. You know, they they just do so well defensively, especially spearheaded by Draymond Green, right? Um, I think it's going to be strength in numbers offensively and defensively. Yeah, so what 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 do you think is the biggest um, factor in this series? Like what, what so, you, so you think the, the Golden State Warriors are going to win this series? I think Golden State's going to win this series, yeah. What's your prediction? Like how many games? Yeah. I think Golden State's going to win in five. Five, wow. Okay. Um, wh- why do you think uh, – okay, I, I guess you just kind of gave your reasoning on that. Well, I think, with- I think it's going to come down to – man, they, they, they just play a – they play an offense that is so unpredictable, and it's only, a f- you know, best to four – and I could see Boston. Who who has home court advantage? Uh, Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors, right? So I yeah. could see Boston. You know, they just they came they came off of a a series in in Miami, and I just think that they're going to come into like a very high octane environment. And Golden State is just going to sort of keep them on their toes. And I would love to see a statistic, but late shot clock points. Like I think Golden State leads in late shot clock points. And they just do it through their offense. And I think that, you know, it takes it takes a few games to adjust to another team. And it just might be too late by the time that Boston adjusts to Golden State's sporadic offense. Yeah, so I I also have Golden State winning. I'm going to say in seven because that's that's my default uh, prediction. But for, for I guess for two reasons here. One, um, Boston just played two really tough series 
And I remember Tatum saying, saying something from two years ago when the Raptors played the Celtics and the Raptors were definitely the underdog in that series. They were um, definitely over, overmatched in terms of talent, but they grinded the, the, the Celtics way out. And that was in the second round. So then when they played the Heat uh, in the bubble, they probably should have won that series too. But since they were, you know, just so uh, overwhelmed with just what happened in the previous series, they, they lost that series to the Heat um, who made it to the finals there. And I think this is kind of the same, um, say, kind of the same uh, perspective because they just played a very tough Heat team that definitely shouldn't have taken them to seven, especially with, you know, uh, Lowry on, you know, his last leg, um, Hero, uh, missing the last three or four games there. Um, and, you know, after they won game five, everyone really expected the Heat to kind of just, you know, lay down and take the L there. But yeah, I think just having those two extra games, playing game six, playing game seven, um, it's going to take a lot out of Boston. So I think one, they're just going to be tired. You know, they played so much games. They're, they're, they're averaging like 38, 39, 40 minutes from like their top three, four starters. Whereas the Warriors have, you know, they've had pretty easy series. They've, what, they beat Denver in five. They beat Memphis in six and then beat uh, Dallas in five, two. So they're well-rested. There's a lot of games where they blew them out. So I know Steph averaged less than like 33, 34 minutes a game. So did, the, so did everyone else on the roster. So I think health-wise, um, I think in just having the rest, um, just having their legs, I think that's a huge benefit to Golden State, especially with that offense that they run, where they're just, again, they're just running around every screen, running around the perimeter. They have three of the guys that play so similar, and then they have Wiggins and Kaminga and Green and Otto Porter kind of complimenting them on, on the offensive end there. So I think if it does go to six or seven, I think it definitely goes uh, Golden State's way. And then I think just... Um, bench-wise, like you said, they just have more more options to look at. I know, um, who is it? Uh, Otto Porter was playing really well in the first two series. Then he got hurt in that uh, Dallas series. Um, Gary Payne's back now. Uh, just another look. I know those two guys aren't going to make the biggest impact, but knowing those two guys can can kind of change some of the schemes and kind of how they defend and how they you know play play offense, even having Kaminga and Moody rookies. Well, another guy that we're not talking about that's definitely going to be on the floor is Bielitsa in this series, especially with Horford um, and, and some of their bigs, right? Like we, it's just a matchup sort of thing where we didn't need to see Bielitsa a lot on the floor last series, but he will definitely be playing a lot more too. Yeah, for sure. He, he, he had a major hit really good game in uh, game four and five against the, against the Mavs. Uh, so I, I, I definitely see him getting more minutes. And then it's like Boston, you have obviously, like you mentioned, Tatum Brown. Uh, but when you go down that totem pole and you go, you go down the, the line there, are, how confident are you in Mark Smart? Al Horford, I know he's shooting well from the three, but outside of, you know, a few games um, against Milwaukee, uh, same with Grant Williams or Derek White. Are, are those guys that you really want to depend on uh, making a shot late, late in clock if the ball is out of Tatum's or Brown's hand. So, yeah, I just I think the the Warriors are just more versatile in, in that sense. Offensively, they can create their own shots. More guys can create their own shots. Even Wiggins, 
you know, people forget that he was like a perennial, like 20 point scorer because of, you know, even though he didn't shoot officially, he can, he can still, you know, have that step back. He can attack the rim. He can cut. So it's, it's, it's going to be a big, big factor there. So I do like the Warriors. Um, I'm, I'm going to say seven just because I, I do like what Boston um, brings to the table defensively. I just think that um, when it goes to game six, game seven, um, it's going to catch up to them, even though they're going to have a lot more breaks. I think they're going to have two game breaks uh, through the majority of the finals. So that should definitely help them. But also you're traveling, you're flying from one end of the uh, one of the country to the other. So, uh, you know, that's going to definitely, you know, factor into how much rest they're going to be able to get. Um, how much, you know, uh, time they're going to be able to watch film and all that stuff. So, and, and again, we have a guy that's coached how many, he has three championships now, uh, and Steve Kerr, and then you have a rookie head coach in Amadoka. So there's a lot of things going, going the state's way, but honestly, I wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't shock me if Boston somehow was able to win the series, but yeah, I, you I know, the think, more, sorry. Yeah. I, the more I think about it. You know, you, you mentioned Marcus Smart and he, he's like Jekyll and Hyde, man. He scares the shit out of me because he's so irrational confidence that he can go off. His playmaking has gotten so much better. And then Derek White, I mean, he's a Spurs alumni. You know, he went to grad school in San Antonio. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I mean, he's just, he's going to be a steady Eddie. I think you're going to actually see a lot more Peyton Pritchard in this one too, because they go small. Uh, yeah. Golden State's a pretty small team. And he's a Raptor killer. I mean, I've seen him go off and then Jason, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, pound for pound right now versus Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, who's not the same guy at the moment, you know, he kind of jumped into the season mid season. So I give Clay Thompson a lot of wiggle room in terms of like his overall ability to become who he was. Um, but Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are no, are no joke. No, those guys, oh, no. those guys are legit. Those guys are so, legit, man. Those so I legit. take back my game five <laughs> prediction and it's, it's going to six or seven for sure. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a slugfest for sure. I think there's just too many different pieces. Um, you know, just even when I think of like how Al Horford, he sat out for a whole year and he's making such a big impact defensively um, and just being able to you know, spread the floor. Grant Williams, again, he's, he's a second year player who had a huge game in game seven against the Bucks, kind of much more quiet um, in, in the series against the Heat. But again, the Heat were so, so strong defensively. Um, you know, BJ Tucker, Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. I, I, I don't think the, the Warriors have that same of the same like defensive presence, um, especially since they don't have like the traditional big guy in there. So yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know. Uh, like, yeah, there's... I'm, I'm, yeah, go on. No, I was going to say, I'm just, yeah, I, I have no confidence in anything in terms of what, what to expect because I could see this going in so many different directions. Uh, but just, yeah, based off of what I've watched, I, I think Golden State has that, that that edge based off of everything that you, you and I mentioned. But I, I think just Boston is such a tough team and they've been here before. It's not like they're a young team that doesn't have experience. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals several times. I think four times in the last six years they just haven't been able to get past LeBron they weren't able to get past Jimmy Butler in the heat in the bubble and just just a lot of like those things that they weren't able to get get a uh, get over the hurdle there but you know they're there now and 
I don't know, Jason Tatum, like you said, he could, is he the best player in the series? Is he better than Steph? Like statistically he is better. I don't know if he has the same impact. No, because, you know, impact, man. Impact, yeah. impact. You can't, you know, Steph Curry is averaging one less point than him yeah. in the, in the playoffs. And uh, the impact that Steph has just by having two feet on the floor is unparalleled. Yeah, no, I agree. It's yeah. I, yeah. The, you can't really measure that gravity or whatever the people are calling it. Just the, just the help and just kind of the defensive schemes that teams have to put in place. Uh, but, you know, again, they have such a collective group of solid shooters, solid players that, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be a fun series, though. I can't wait for, for it to, you know, start tomorrow. And, um, yeah, man, I'm excited. It's going to be interesting because neither team has played a team like each other. So, you know, Boston hasn't played a team like Golden State throughout the playoffs. You know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. Miami, completely different teams. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Golden State's the same way. Like, I wouldn't say Dallas is much like Boston. Maybe they are a little bit, but not really. Not really. Memphis, definitely not. Memphis was just like, you know, they're Memphis. They're young and they're scrappy and they're deep and they're, you know. But, um, yeah, so, like, I think both teams are just kind of going in not having a feel for one another or not having even any experience or anything to sort of like prep for. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause when, when I look at it now, like when Celtics played Milwaukee played the, or played Miami, those are two like really, really strong defensive teams. Like half court teams. Yeah. Half court teams. Whereas like uh, the Warriors played Dallas played Denver played uh, Grizzlies who are all really like, just like they want to run the floor. They want to, get easy baskets, even though Dallas played really well defensively throughout the year and in the playoffs, that's why they made it to the conference finals. But those teams are a little different than um, Boston. Cause yeah, again, like you said, Boston is a very good half court defensive team. And I think they're pretty good defense, like offensively in the half court too. They don't have to run the floor. Whereas I think um, if, if the Golden State Warriors are able to get quick shots, you know, run, you know, uh, push push the pace a little bit i think that's going to benefit them a bit but i think if you're playing half court um the majority of the time i think that benefits the the celtics yeah i mean this can be this can be truly an epic series like just two historic like two i mean boston's historic franchise golden state has been historic over the last like decade um this is probably the best outcome in my opinion for entertainment value and i just hope that these games you know, game by game, I hope that every game is close. I hope that every game is competitive to sort of break away from the trend that we've had these playoffs. Um, I hope it doesn't disappoint and we should definitely connect after Sunday's game too. So we should definitely connect Monday or Tuesday to recap uh, the first two games yeah, of, uh, yeah. of this series. Yeah, let's do that. I would say after, after two home games for each team, recap and then maybe just do... Yeah, let's let's see how it goes, but yeah, let's because the games are spread out. I think they're every other three days, so I think that just saves that helps us kind of schedule a little better. But yeah, maybe same time next um, next week or whenever whenever that is Monday. You said so. Yeah, let's do it. All right, my man, it was great. Cool. It was great talking about the playoffs with you. It was great uh, going through this this uh, this finals matchup, and I hope it doesn't disappoint.
yeah let's uh yeah let's hope for a nice exciting competitive finals uh but yeah man great great catching up again let's let's keep the momentum and let's uh yeah let's regroup in a week or so and we'll uh We'll get our thoughts on the the first two games at uh, at Oracle, or is it? What is it now? It's not Oracle anymore, is it? Chase. Uh, oh yeah, Chase, the Chase Center. True. All right, so yeah, let's let's see how tomorrow goes, and then we'll uh, we'll catch up next week. All right, man. Good talking to you. Right, bro. Take care.